0: This is the Let's Do The Right
2: Thing podcast, curated and presented by Adam Hopkinson. Hello and welcome to the LDTRT podcast, a podcast helping you see where industry leaders have started with a new direction and done the right thing along the way. Today I'll be talking with Scott Bender and asking specifically about Journey Today and what have been the best and the worst things about it. Scott, I also want to hear what you've got your sights set on at the moment and maybe what problem in the world you're setting out to resolve. And I'm hoping for a particular ProHaska point of view here. I'm Adam Hopkinson, the host of this podcast and the founder of LDTRT. Let's do the right thing. For those of you who don't know us, we're a specialist consultancy set to transform business by delivering best practice and excellence in the world of digital media. I have a couple of thanks to give straight off the bat. It's been a delight working with Radio Works on this project. It wouldn't have happened without them, so thank you very much. And I have to also thank James Carey for supplying the music. Thanks. fella. For today's LDTRT podcast, we have Scott Bender, the XIGN brand sales lead for the East Coast of the US and a dedicated Bourbon aficionado. Um, Scott moved on from IGN to Prohaska advising on sales strategy, left briefly and brilliantly, went back to now lead the global publisher strategy practice, where once again, we've done some work together. It's great to have you here, sir. Great to be here. Uh, well, brilliant. My ego will allow me to pretend that you've flown in from New York just to do this with me. Is that the case? Yeah. Allow away. Fantastic. Excellent. That'll be edited so that it sounds like it really is all about me. <laughs> <laughs> but the important thing before we get going, what are you focusing on at the minute? What what what's going on? Is there a trend in publishing that you're you're seeing at the minute? So something that Prohask is building out, that, that that that's been adopted by mass public or
3: yeah, I, I think for right now, for publishers, it's you know, it's it's kind of a crucial period, um, as we're seeing what's happened as they're trying to figure out um, where do they go from here in terms of driving revenue, even beyond advertising. Um, certainly, I think the biggest trend is as publishers are right now trying to really just grapple with. Uh, Having, you know, control over their first party data and being able to put that into action and having the tool, not only the tools in place, but really the strategy in place and the team in place to be able to leverage that both for direct sales as well as for programmatic.
2: So when you talk about first party data, in which is the first party in your mind? Is that publisher data or is that advertiser data?
3: I'm talking about publisher data. Okay. So it can be anything from again data that they have that's browser based, in terms of how which people have visited which parts of their site or publication, to you know email addresses, other information that they have, registration based information if they're if they're you know a subscriber publication.
2: So, so data is front and center in the, the absolutely, you know,
3: and it's something the brands have, you know, been leveraging for a long time within, you know, the ad tech and the programmatic space. But I think, you know, certainly publishers have, have been aware of that, um, you know, disparity, and I think they're doing everything they can to get better control and to be able to, you know, at the end of the day, you know, leverage and create a higher value for the inventory that they have. But I think the biggest thing is. You know, we're in a we're in a time right now where the whole way we're selling media is changing, and it's not just on the uh, on from a publisher standpoint; it's it's from a buying standpoint, in that we're shifting really from from selling media to really, I think, selling audiences. And there's a difference. And I think as, you know, the buy side is looking at not just about context and being within a particular, you know, section like sports or something that's high dominated by, let's say, a male demographic, but it's it's going after and targeting specific audiences. And I think that the media side of the business, the publishers, salespeople are are still transitioning.
2: With the, the arrival of the likes of GDPR in the UK, and I believe there's a, a regulation coming into California that's similar, is that right? Yep,
3: CCCPA.
2: CCCPA.
3: CCPA, uh, uh, I think it's California Consumer Privacy Act.
2: Okay. Uh, it useful that they didn't adopt the same name.
3: <laughs> no, yeah, yeah.
2: Not yet, at least. So, but if, if there's regulation coming in on, on the use of data, do you think that that's going to change the, the way that both publishers and advertisers go to market? And are we going to be once again with the right ad in the right place is it going to be contextual or do you will do you feel that audience is still going to be key in buying media i i think you know over the
3: last year and even over the last six months i think as an industry especially on the buy side they're almost rediscovering appreciation for context right and that you know that Data and inf- you know audience-specific micro targeting is one solution, but con- context still matters, and that could be part of the you know part of the portfolio as well in terms of being p- part of you know part of the recipe for for a, a, an advertiser's success. So to answer your question, I yes, I think um, I think the industry is going to have to make some adjustments in terms of uh, adopting various consent platforms and ways of you know generating approval from you know from users for their data. But I, I, I see context growing um, as, a, as a strategy or being reappreciated as a strategy, I think, even independent of what's happening with the regulation. I think the fact is that they're realizing, advertisers are realizing they can't get everything they want from targeting. It's, it's, we're still talking about an imprecise science in many ways and that they're missing prospects. So that, yes, what? You know what? Also, hitting a bucket of users within a contextually relevant environment, hopefully safe environment, makes sense.
2: Uh, yeah, absolutely right. And you know, going back to when we worked together at IGN, it was very young in the adoption of programmatic. But what we found is that the more targeted that we went on an audience for a particular brand that was relevant to IGN, the least that the less well it actually worked, because that target audience already knew about the product already.
3: Yeah, absolutely. You forget. Yeah, you're 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 remarketing to existing customers. And you know the other thing is, as as we like to say. You know, sometimes the juice isn't worth the squeeze. Meaning, great, you can, you know, your absolute target is, as the example I like to use, we do a lot of uh, sales training. Is you know, left-handed bowlers from Louisville, Kentucky, you know, that are, you know, they're they're the perfect prospect for whatever product it might be. Guess what? There's five of those people. Yeah. Um, you're not going to hit everything you need to do. So yes.
2: <laughs> so, so I think we can change the direction of this completely can you just give me a list of phrases that I'm going to steal from you and repeat further down the line so was it the, the juice isn't worth the squeeze juice or, isn't worth the squeeze yeah. yeah what else you got
3: God, I, I don't know it'll just come to me but I, I could certainly email you offline
2: <laughs> please do so okay so you're looking at data and maybe context is coming back into the planning and the, the buying cycles what's next I mean is there something on the horizon that you're seeing a behavioural change coming
3: you know Again, I think as an industry, both buy side and sell side, we're still figuring out how to use the tools that we have. Yeah. Meaning, you know, I think, you know, we're we've just left. I think the age of you know retargeting as the single strategy that an that an agency or a brand has when it comes to programmatic to realizing that there's other ways to craft stories with data. So I think there's that. I think we're as an industry um, still coming to grips with um, how we you know how we. Uh, Provide credit for when people visit a particular site, um, but the other thing I, I'd say is that we're seeing, I think, more of a focus on is around creative, and that you know we've spent so much time as an industry, you know, targeting users within a specific uh, property. We've we've you know as an industry around programmatic, we really haven't spent enough time I think thinking about you know dynamic creative or different creative solutions that could be you know data driven from that standpoint. You know, it's it we've left the industry of madmen. Many, many years ago, and if anything, creative has taken a back seat, um, I think, to what we've been doing in, in this industry you know, from a, a data targeting standpoint. Um, I, I, we see creative coming back, and that's one of the, one of the I think, um, big initiatives of our firm over the next six months.
2: So do you see Prohaska moving into creative services? Roles? We are.
3: We actually just uh, issued a release a couple of weeks ago that we are going to do that. It was something that we tried to do a couple of years ago. I think we were a little early, um, but it's certainly, uh, I think it's the time is right now.
2: So what is that? Is that like having your own DCO engine or are you actually going to start going back to back to Mad Men and creating the original ads that everything derives from?
3: No, no. Well, for one thing, as a firm, and just to be clear, we are we're not a tech company. We're absolutely agnostic, independent. Um, we're not a reseller. Um, so for us it's just really helping brands and in some cases the media and publishers and tech companies you know craft the right solution so we're vendor neutral in that standpoint and obviously you know the right solution or the right platform or vendor is going to vary
2: so okay look, coming back to Praska now which is you know, why you're here uh the the the, the business has a, the appearance of being very well established but also also has the energy of being a startup does, does it feel like that for you Yeah, it's a little bit of both.
3: You know, we've been around now for five years. and And Running 100 miles an hour. And running 100 miles an hour, you know, led by our CEO, Matt, who's, uh, I think, running about 110 miles an hour. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I would say certainly, you know what, um, I I think we leverage, we can leverage the resources of a very large firm. We have a bench of well over 700 people globally, um, in addition to our full-time team. But yes, we're very much a startup. Certainly, I think, in attitude and kind of how we approach things. And certainly... While we work with a number of established brands, companies, media companies, tech companies,
2: we also work with a number of startups as well. Wow, seven hundred people. Seven hundred people. That's phenomenal. Who's your favorite? You, Adam. Good. 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 You can stay for the next question. Then was that a deliberate trajectory? Did you always feel that you wanted to be something, part of something new, something that's now big, grow it, deliver a practice within it, and? Yeah, you know, I, I've always thought about, you know, I I'd spent, you know, I was 14 years at
3: Turner. Uh, broadcasting at CNN, and then nine years at different uh, groups with the News Corp and Fox. So I always saw myself as getting into something more start from a startup environment and smaller. Um, the other thing is, though, I think, and this is the reason I got into digital, and I'm an old guy who started out in local radio in you Detroit. You really don't look it. I have to a, keep saying that. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Many years ago, is I always want to keep learning. And the great thing about what we're doing is it's, you know, we always talk about in this industry from drink, you know, drinking from a fire hose every day.
2: That's the third There's one. A, I know, there, there it goes. It goes. Make a That's
3: not mine, but you can have it. <laughs> um, and certainly, you know, I've always wanted, I always want to, be in a place where I continue to learn, continue to be exposed to new things. I think any, like, like any salesperson, I have a bit of ADD. Oh, this is interesting. This is new. And the great thing about what we're doing and working with a variety of different companies across the ecosystem, whether it's it's brands directly and agencies, tech companies to media companies publishers, there's always something new. Um, and that's something I really, really enjoy about this. Do you think you'll take the step
2: one further and can you see the bender consultancy arriving? you know i
3: right now very very happy with what i'm doing with madden and prohaska so um it's been a great it's been a great ride
2: <laughs> that's the stock answer of course but one day do you ever see that you, you do your own you know what I, I at this point i'm just focused it's going on well I know. yeah it's
3: going so we're, we're going great so right
2: now just focused on what i'm doing here so then okay so back to prohaska um, with, with the from my point of view the world of agencies moving into a more consultative space do you see that you as a consultative type of business may move into agency territory and start actually having a product that you deliver as well as advising i don't see
3: us in this is not our charter right now for you know you've you've been reading about the accentures and the deloits of the world yeah. and, and moving into the agency business that's not what we're about um we help brands you know some of our work with brands has been you know, determining whether um, taking things in house is feasible. And if so, what, what would that plan look like? Um, in many cases, we're working with brands and helping them facilitate a better relationship with their agency. Um, and certainly part of our business, we do have some outsourcing capabilities. In some cases, agencies have been able to, and brands have been able to leverage us on a whitelist basis for programmatic buying or trading or other resources, but I don't see us going into that side of the business. We're, we're there to, I'd, just doesn't make sense right now or in the uh, future, I don't think.
2: I, I think you said something, you touched on something really interesting there, that, that I feel that the, the in-housing is a bit of a knee-jerk reaction to a bad relationship. Mm-hmm. So, so if you're going in and repairing that, that's probably the first thing to do. Yeah, I think for one thing, you know, certainly on the other side of the pond in the States, a great
3: deal of press and talk and buzz around in-housing, um... For one thing, in-housing can mean many different things. You know, in <laughs> it's know, like everything in Like digital. anything else. It's yeah. yeah. It's like in some cases, it is a brand taking everything in-house, all programmatic media buying and planning or media buying and planning in general. In other cases, though, it could be nothing more than the brand owning the contract to the managed services that they're getting from a platform or vendor or just having a little more access to the dashboards, a little more visibility to what's going on. So it really means different things for different companies, mm-hmm. and the answer of whether they should do something like that is going to depend not just on their strategy, their product, their vertical, but the culture of that of that company of that brand. Um, it you know it may make sense for a large you know CPG. It may not make sense for you know a regional you know QSR um, that's only in in a part of the country.
2: Absolutely the QSRs in part of the us are entire national budgets in the u k so yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I quite agree with you. It is going to be a case by case basis, and it does mean different things to different people my My gut feel is is that I don't think that the I don't think that the entire media planning and buying is going to ever be in housed. I think you need a perspective of a third party you need an independence to make sure that you're doing the right thing. Do you see it actually when you're talking about in housing? Are you, are you talking about digital in housing, or are you thinking about everything coming in? I'm talking more about digital in housing, but I do think this
3: is this is this is true that we're we're seeing a shift that's not going to go back. Where I, you know, brands are taking more control. That may not necessarily mean quote unquote I'm using air quotes here for those people that can't see on the uh, on the podcast. Um, this may not you know mean quote unquote in, you know full in housing, but it means more control, more visibility part of what our firm does is recruitment and we're seeing roles being filled on the brand side that you never would have expected to see data analytics, you know, um, engineers, developers, um, folks that are, that you, would, you know, you would expect to be on a, within a platform or an agency, not at the brand side. So I don't think that's going back. I think brands are going to have more of an active role. It's no longer going to just be rubber stamping necessarily for some of them, you know, what their agency's doing, but certainly they're going to have more control. And I think part of it, it, you know, rests with, where the world is right now around data and that it's not just as, you know, uh, paid advertising and, and, you know, and what you're doing on an outbound basis as a brand, but what your earned and owned data look like. Um, how are you linking up your existing customer database with the advertising you're doing? Um, and that's, that's another thing that we're working on as a firm is just, if you're familiar with the term customer data platforms are, how are, how are brands being able to unify, you know, the customer journey, you know, not just at, uh, turning over a prospect and converting them, but once they're an existing customer. Um, and as, as we all know, there's not many alternatives right now outside of the, you know, the walled gardens around that.
2: Absolutely. Well, wow. it sounds like silver bullet. Because so if you've got, you got that in-house, everybody's asking for it. So what's the name of the consultancy one more time? Prohaska Consulting. You heard it here. <laughs> what's the most fulfilling project that you've got on the go at the minute? Are you, are you, can you talk about the, or maybe talk about the, the best project that you've done at Prohaska? You know, for me, so um, so I wear a couple of hats here. So I oversee business development or
3: revenue for Perhaska. And then coming from the publisher side of the business, I'm involved with the media and publisher projects. And without getting into specifics, it's kind of uh, when I'm able to help, you know, a media company transition or transform, both not just with a strategy of, okay, what, how do we refine our offerings and, you know, take what we're doing on a, just a general direct sale basis and maybe transition it to more of the, data-infused, audience-centric, programmatic world. It's not just the tools and platforms, but also it's with a team. So we do quite a bit of sales training um, within Nebraska. And for me, it's been very fulfilling and just, you know, taking people that have this preconceived notion about what programmatic is, the robots are taking over, and dispelling those myths, breaking up those acronyms. I think one of the biggest challenges we have in this industry, way too overcomplicated. Um, we make you know we you know number of vendors out there, just I think people in the space in general love to make things more complicated than they, are, than they are and I think that's to the detriment of really us advancing. So one of the things we try to do is just dispel that and break that stuff up. So for me, um, the, the training that I've been able to
2: do with various sales teams and in some cases buy side teams has been very, very fulfilling. Wow. I completely agree. I mean, I think it's a fairly simple world that we live in, that what we're really doing is we're putting a message in between a consumer and a brand. But the ecosystem that's built on top of that is just it's phenomenal. Yep. And I, when you start having an ecosystem that's got as big as it has, people are only focusing on making an individual part, not necessarily more effective, but be able to squeeze their way in to actually start talking about Rather than as we we talked about earlier on about having the the original objectives of the brand at hand, you start trading in inventory and demand, and, and that's absolutely wrong. So, so I, I applaud you for being part of the solution to make it a simpler place to work in. Yeah, I, it's I th- the right thing. Yeah, I think one of the you know the we like to kind of break up the the universe and ad
3: tech into three T's. Um, here's something else you can steal if you want. Although um, I think I'm I think Matt may have already. Matt may have trademarked this, um, and that's. Uh, you know, tech, target, and teams or talent. So tech, obviously, platforms and vendors target on how we go ahead and, and use all that technology. What's the strategy? But then I think the single biggest challenge that this industry has is that last T, and that is talent and teams. And really, you know, getting people to kind of forget the old muscle memory, to kind of adopt new tricks, new ways of thinking. Um, I think that's
2: what's slowing us down as an industry more than anything else. And again, creating, th- making things overly complex doesn't help. I agree. And I think actually talent and teams are going to be the, the rate limiting step for people to be in housing stuff anyway, because they're going to be, the businesses are going to have a big number on their bottom line that they didn't have exposure to previously, that the agencies were obviously absorbing the staff costs, the tech costs, the unit, cost, whatever it might be. If that's now bought in house, you also then get the the behavior of people in Adland, which is very fleet. So what, I mean, what is it? It's in the UK, it's about 18 months, average tenure in a media position. You're going to have turnover and team and recycling that they're never going to be used to before. Yeah, it's it's funny. Um, with some of
3: our in-housing projects, we've gotten to the, you know, five yard line on these projects where we, we're brought in. We don't have a point of view in in-housing, um, meaning every company's different, as I said before. In some cases, it makes sense. And sometimes in some cases, it doesn't. Um, and in in some instances, we've, put together a plan, you know, it's ready to be executed. You know, you have the internal sponsors on the brand side up, let's go do this. And then it stops when it gets to procurement saying, wait a second, wait, how many heads do we need for this? Exactly. And by the way, how are we going to recruit these folks? Because, you know, the talents in, whether it's in London or in New York or LA, how are we going to get them to go ahead and um, and move into the mid- Midwest or whatever the case
2: might be? So that it's, yeah, it's it's not for everybody. So we're talking about transparency, we're talking about in-housing potentially, brands taking more control over what's going on. This is all great. That's absolutely right. Um, Is there anything else that you see that's changing dramatically that the industry needs to be aware of? And and I'm asking deliberately um, with a question that's going to be kind of tapping into your consultative brain. Oh, boy. Do you think now is the right time for agencies to be starting up? Yeah. So the, to answer the other thing that I think
3: that's coming down, um, we there is a joke in this space about every year was the next, every year or the next year was the year of mobile. We <laughs> talked about that. I yeah, think yeah, that yeah. was a running joke for a good 10 years. Yep. I think it finally ended maybe two years ago yeah. um, that we were stopped talking about things that way. We we see the next thing that people need to be focusing on more um, is attribution, meaning how are we generating, how are we driving credit for what we're doing? We've went We've come a long way from just hits and clicks, but, you know, and, you know, last touch, you know, a number of companies are, you know, adopting MTA and just to break up that acronym, you know, multi-touch attribution, but we're still learning. And I think we're still evolving as a marketplace and, you know, and some brands are better equipped to answer those questions than others, obviously. So I think that's the next
2: wave. I think that's where we need to be focusing on as an industry, or I should say one of the focuses. So is it attribution or is it outcome that we're going to be looking at? Because, the, obviously you, you want to be going back to what the brands needed to do in the first place, which is to clear some of their products into market or change behavior. The the outcome of that is to convince somebody to go and buy it. Is, is that what you're talking I about? I think they're
3: linked. You know, it depends on where one's reflective of credit. The other is, you know, how do you go ahead and and enable this behavior and certainly you're seeing it on the agency side where some of the holding companies are now adopting models with their clients where it is based on business outcomes you have in some cases some of the networks in the states that are as of this upfront, um, are testing different buys and deals that are based on business outcomes not
2: just against you know nielsen delivery everybody has to put their money where their mouth is then yeah wow, yeah, that's scary
3: it's the right thing. Well, it's, you know what? It like everything else why we're having these conversations, you, you know, even the fact going back to the in-housing, it's because we technology is finally enabling us to have these conversations. I think the challenge is that we have to take them for take these results for what they're worth, you know. Um, just, you know, it's because you measure you can measure something
2: doesn't mean you should also as well. Indeed. So what were they left-handed bowlers in Louisiana, is that right? It was Louisville. Oh, t- it was Louisville. Louisville. Plug for my wife because that's where she's from originally. Okay.
3: Uh, That's why uh, I like bourbon.
0: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today.
2: So the the other part of the question that I asked was was leading particularly, but I I feel that now is the right time for if actually this is going to be the year of the independence. I think that this is going to be a lot of people moving out of existing businesses, certainly on agency side, mm-hmm. and establishing their credentials with brands to do the right thing and to deliver a new solution out to market that they may not have had access to before. I think it's interesting that you say that some of the agencies are looking to outcome-based models, but I feel that the, the, the cruise liners of the, of the agency land are going to take a long turn to turn into what they need to do right now. So I, I feel the opportunity is here now so with your consultancy hat on is now the right time to launch an agency absolutely adam is that is that is that the answer you're looking for that's exactly the okay answer, right? yeah i i would let's do it <laughs>
3: you guys do it you heard it here first no i listen i i think in light of the world that we're in where it's no longer black and white um you're seeing as we referenced before some you know some brands taking everything in house but still looking for outside support certainly i think everyone's reading about and you're seeing this firsthand that you know agencies are kind of reevaluating what's their mission what's their model um there's certainly some openings for uh for other ways to help and one of the reasons we're here too you know it's uh you know we we wouldn't be in business if people didn't need help kind of transitioning or navigating these
2: waters just to keep it to the cruise line uh you know example here (laughs) yeah okay thank you (laughs) I gave you one back. You gave, me, you gave me four, I gave you one. There we are. Um, what's the best bit of advice that you've heard along the way? The thing that's just resonating. Boy, on a general basis with an ad tech. Um, okay, on a, on a general basis. You know, I, I think um, in this space, you, you can't,
3: you shouldn't um, pretend to know something. You know, ask questions. I think we all have a tendency, oh, yep, I know about that. And you listen to the pitch and you let it go on and you may have not gotten everything you could have gotten out of it. Ask questions. Poke holes in things. Ask why. And the other thing is, I would say is, you know, the, here's another one you can steal here. And again, this is probably not mine. Is I like to use the words, the two words, so what? Meaning, okay, great. There's this new solution and it can do X, Y, and Z. So what? You know, what problem are you solving? I think there's, one of the challenges, I think, in this industry right now because of tech is that there's number of, you know, features masquerading as companies. And just because you can do something doesn't mean you should, doesn't mean it makes a difference. The question is, what problem are you solving? I think we have a tendency on all sides of the business um, to get so caught up in who we are and what our solutions are and forgetting about what problem are we trying to solve and kind of putting ourselves, you know, we need to be putting ourselves more into, you know, the minds and the seat of the, of the other of the folks on the other side of the table what are their problems you know we need more empathy so this long rambling answer here so i didn't give a nice clean crisp answer certainly asking more questions was one thing but i also think we we need to be asking ourselves what are we trying to accomplish here just because it, it's great you know how how differentiated are you from the
2: other 50 solutions that say they can do the same thing Gotta be careful with the way that you say it as well, though, because your so what sounds really positive and constructive. My so what is a little bit dismissive.
3: <laughs> well, I was you're right, you know. I, so what? Yeah. And yeah, I guess I need to modulate my tone here. Whatever.
2: Yeah. <laughs> is there one thing that you would have liked to have heard in your early career that would have got you on the right track faster? Boy, that's a good question. Um,
3: you know, I, I think I think you know one thing. I th- I think I would have uh, appreciated more is that you get. I think when, when you're in an early in your career, you get so caught up on positions, titles, more money for this role. And my God, you're just the beginning of your journey. You know, where really it's you know you think of uh, careers not just as checker games but as really as chess games. You know, as chess matches. Where do you want to be in that journey? You know, where does this move lead you? Not to the next move, but five moves down the line um so certainly i think that's advice for everyone you know be a student of the game keep reading all that other good stuff but i think we all get so caught up in the short term where do i rise from here and not kind of putting in the big you know, i think a bigger perspective of where you want to go so play the long game play yeah. the long game absolutely not,
2: not, oh shiny just do that
3: yeah that's you know, no play the long game and also you know it's all about you know as they say if it doesn't uh doesn't kill you makes you stronger again that's not my cliche but i but it doesn't kill you makes you stronger yep. it makes you stronger. so just you know you know again um it's okay to fail it's okay you know we you know we learn more with each with each day so i think that that's sound advice we shouldn't get caught up just about next week or next year but just starting out we're you know and who's to say i mean how many let me ask you i mean did you imagine at the very start of your career that you'd end up doing what you're doing right now i'm not sure anyone had any idea that's been in this business for so many years i know i've been around for a while that i boy this is how things were going to be you know at this stage of my career this is where it's going to be at this is what the industry looks like who would have thought when you see the you know the seismic change that's taken place um within in, within this industry with companies going away companies emerging
2: you know it, it's a good question and uh, you know and, th- and thanks for playing it back to me the, the, would i have thought i was doing this now 20 years ago No, but I I do actually, I do recall having a conversation with Rob 20 years ago saying one day, let's do this and let's go out on our own and do it. And, you know, and that's happening. Um, Obviously, you know, 20 years ago, the world was a completely different place and we were running, I mean, uh, TV was only just beginning to um, fragment, but now everything else has. So, you know, to look now, it's it's a world apart. Yeah. It's an absolute world apart. I think about, you know, it's what we consider
3: new and, you know, in my early days. So I was in Detroit in Turner and I was selling CNN. And these were the early days of cable networks. And there were at the time maybe 15 to 20 networks that mattered. And that was considered really onerous for for a buying group to have to evaluate all these various networks and offerings. But I'll never forget the the GM buying group for cable was called the New Media Group. (laughs) That was New Media. and This is cable. So you think back, you know. 1998, maybe? Yeah, it was the mid-90s, just to date myself, just a little bit. But it's, you think, yeah, so, you you know, we're like, oh, my God, this seismic change, this, you know revolution with programmatic it's at the end of the day we, you know we've also talked about the fact that we feel the word's going to go away at some point it's yes. not going to you know it's just going to be another way of doing business it's automation um in some cases it's just automating the transaction at the back end um it can mean many different things And if yep. you talk to the folks in tv it means a very different thing versus what you're seeing in display right now so you know this too i wouldn't say she'll pass but it will become
2: part of the mainstream of how we do business Absolutely. And, and anything that we can do to simplify the language that we, we do is, is helpful. But then, indeed, anything that we can do to simplify the ecosystem that we operate in to do something that is ultimately very simple at the end of the day, we need your help. And that's why you're here. Thanks, Scott. It's a pleasure to have you. Adam,
3: always a pleasure. It is great to be here um, for this podcast. <laughs> and it was worth the trip across the pond. Absolutely.
0: Thank you, sir. To hear more, subscribe to the show. And why not leave us a nice review while you're there? as it helps others find us. Let's Do the Right Thing was devised and presented by Adam Hopkinson and was a Maple Street Creative production.